the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Welcome into our anytime touchdown betting preview with our own Jill Gallant from Action Network. Your host today, Brendan Glasheen. I'm tossing Jill the softballs and he's just going to hit it out of the park as it pertains to how to bet touchdowns this coming NFL season. This is Jill's second go around with Action Network. And we did this kind of show last year, Jill. I really enjoyed it. I feel way more comfortable now than I did a year ago. But I must ask this question. Mm-hmm. And I think through your answer, people will understand. Because I think folks go into any game. It's any NFL Sunday, Monday, Thursday. We'll dive into the intricacies of primetime spots as well during this. But the do's and don'ts, the nuts and bolts to betting touchdowns. But why does Jill Gallant specialize in touchdown betting? And why do you love it so much? Sure. And that's a great question, uh, Brendan. So, I've been betting on anytime touchdown props really since 2017. And the market has slowly expanded each year with each new season. Different offerings are coming through. And the reason why I got into anytime touchdown prop betting is I I might be biased. I think it is the most fun bet to ever exist. Since the spreads and totals have been created, next up is touchdown props because it combines The fantasy element that we love. Everybody loves to play fantasy football, but also you can get immediate profits if you're properly researched, looking at better angles. I bet this market exclusively. Now, this past season, I had a big hiccup with how many touchdowns we had come through. We saw a significant drop in touchdowns across the board. Uh, So I was profitable in my first three seasons of tracking touchdown props. Last year, I got bent over I got basically ruined and then by the end of the year started to pick it back up was able to have a really finish the playoff strong and finish the Super Bowl strong which helped to kind of rejuvenate uh some of the love that you have for betting because sometimes if you're losing a lot it's it's almost like you get this defeatist attitude but touchdown prop bets you could have a bad day then all of a sudden you're hitting a plus 500 touchdown bet for a wide receiver three after all the research that you did and it just is such a saving grace you know helps reduce the margin of error sometimes when you're betting on those minus 110 bets uh so i have been uh kind of crafting and finalizing these kind of guidelines and rules to help us get to where we need to be so that way we we can enjoy the touchdown betting. We could still make some profit off of it. But also, if we have a bad year or if it just doesn't work out from a game to game, we're not completely draining our bankroll as a result. It's a great reminder, no matter what kind of betting you're doing, to stay the course. And you got to consider the long haul, especially in the NFL when one week could really let you down. Uh, there's always the following week, but also being consistent. And we think this t- kind of podcast will help folks at home understand the long-term Uh, sustainability that's necessary as far as approach. So first off, this is a great way that these kind of how-to episodes that we do here at Action Network, rules. And a great way to think about rules is tracking. And this is, again, this pertains to any kind of betting that you're doing, no matter what sport, but especially with touchdowns, Jill. Explain how you will go. And of course, we'll plug the Action Network app, free to download. You can track all of your picks. But when you go about tracking, why is that so essential to touchdown betting. 
Well, the, the, the key reason why is because it's a, such a volatile market. There's such swings where you kind of highlighted it where you could go 0 and 5 on a Sunday and then Monday you come around and then you go 2 and 1 and that basically re- uh, cleans up all the losses and gets you back on a profitable track. And part of what happens is, is sometimes when people will just look at their bankroll and they'll say, okay, I started off with a thousand. They get to the end of the year and they like, okay, I'm still at a thousand, but I'm at $1,100. You know, I made like a hundred dollars in profit. So it was a successful year, which is great. But also at the same time, it's very important to know how we got there. You want to be able to know where you're winning. Is it on wide receiver touchdown bets? Is it on quarterback touchdown bets? Um, you know, the average win rate for a touchdown better, even the best people in this industry, they're probably hitting around 30% because a lot of the time they're betting on guys that are over plus 200 or more. Um, you know, so that could, the range of winning can be anywhere from 0% uh, to 30%. And it's important to know how we got there. So the Action Network app, you're, I've done, used a lot of different tracking methods, whether it be pen and paper, you know, an Excel spreadsheet or whatever. And the Action app for me, and again, I, I may sound biased, but I, I have no... Uh, no hiccups about this. The Action Network app has been tremendous for me being able to track your bets, knowing where your successes and most importantly, your failures are coming from to be able to know where, you know, if you're getting better lines from a CLV perspective, and most importantly, just to be able to see the profitability week over week on what you're doing. Because if you're not tracking your successes and failures, how are you able to adapt your strategy to know which way we need to go to be able to adjust this like losing streak or whatever? Because nobody's really going to make adjustments if you're winning. If you're winning, like obviously it's like, okay, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But at the same time, touchdown betting, it will humble you. You will lose bets. And as a result, you need to know what went right and most importantly, what went wrong. If you could speak to ROI and profitability in this market, because as you said, it's very simple to just look at someone's record on any given Sunday and think, well, they're 0-5. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, win percentage doesn't matter all that much. And like you said, the the sharps of this kind of market are hitting at a 30% rate when it comes to touchdown betting. But why does ROI matter quite a bit as well? Yeah, I think Brendan's social media plays a big part in this because you'll see a lot of accounts, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, you name them, you're going to see some betting experts that you're on there and saying, I'm hitting 70% of my bets. And it's like, okay, that that's cool. But they don't really mention what the, the odds are or the juice that's coming on. Yeah. Uh, so maybe they're hitting at 70%, but most of them are at minus 200. So it's like, okay, you have close to a 60 to 70% chance to win. You're not really showing much of an edge here. So the beauty of touchdown props is like you mentioned on any given Sunday, there's there's over 300 or more anytime touchdown props that are available at sports books. And they all range from minus 150 all the way up to plus 4,000, you know, and um, having those longer odds of being able to say go one and two, but you hit a plus 250. So you're still up uh, about a half a unit in profit. Um, Having those longer odds compared to spreads and totals, or even just general player props that are always the minus 110 on either side, touchdown props just offer a bit more forgiveness and a bit more margin for error, especially from a lot of the time, you know, I, and I'm not a professional better, but I do bet quite a bit, you know, and I'm, but I think that's the main thing of the distinction is that a lot of people who are betting touchdown bets, they're not betting this to try to get rich or try to, you know, make this, you know, overarching leap to become a professional sports better. They're trying to have fun. And if you're trying to have fun, losing bets after a while cannot be very fun. So you want to be able to know, again, going back to the app, tracking your wins and losses, but also knowing that 
the profits and ROI. That's why you want to track it to be able to see the kind of money that you're returning. Because if you just look at it as, oh, I'm only hitting 30% of my bets, it's going to feel a little defeatist. But then you actually look at the profits and the ROI as a result of hitting those 30% and you see that you're up 15 to 20, maybe 30 units in profit. That's going to reassure you much more than just being looking at your wins and losses as if like it's a team sport, you know, whether or not there's standings or anything like that. I think people get a little too married to that concept that I have to be hitting 50% of my bets in order to be considered a successful better. And that's one of the things about touchdown market is that you could hit at 30% and still be considered a profitable winning better. And look, we're like a good example of this for the current better that might be tuning in and that's getting ready for football. We're in the thick of baseball season when folks bet home run props in baseball. I mean, a record is a record, but if you're, it kind of, the the swings and the sways in that kind of market are kind of similar where you have to kind of stay uh, very humble, no matter what kind of day you might have as it pertains to um, a dart throw kind of market pitfalls, some, some, some don'ts in, in this kind of market when we look at touchdown betting. And this is where you have an opportunity now to really dive into some of the specifics and, and use current uh, previous examples from your history of doing this. What are some pitfalls in betting touchdowns? Well, you kind of alluded to it just a second ago, Brendan, and that's being realistic and managing expectations. Because I think what happens is, is that Every March, you know, football season is over. Maybe we're a little more humbled than others just because maybe the the season didn't end the way that you wanted to. And then there'll be this gap of, you know, 200 or more days where you're not betting on football. Then all of a sudden you get close to week one and you see betters just with this like uninhibited level of confidence, dude. Like that can only be rivaled by guys who like wear speedos at the beach. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like guys at the airport are like, you know what? I think I could land that plane. Like, you know, just the idea of where their confidence level is through the roof and they're not remembering or even realizing that don't forget that there's highs and lows. You've got to manage your expectations with touchdown betting and keeping that even keel, trusting your process. I find another thing too, is it's all about the mentals too, is finding ways to help your mind, whether that be, diet, rest, meditation. Like you got to think I'm on the East coast. I'm up till one, two in the morning watching, you know, a Sunday night football game. And then I'm back up Monday morning because I have young kids. And then I'm already looking up Monday night football. If my sleep and diet uh, aren't kind of on the pace of what I need to be, I am just so sluggish every other day of being able to uh, analyze and cap these games. So anything that can keep your mind clear and get rid of that negativity is one of the things that I would add as well. But a pitfall, dude, right off the hop. And again, I, I, this one ruffled feathers last year. I'm not trying to do this again, but parlaying touchdown bets can be a little troublesome. Now, I'm not saying not to parlay touchdown bets, but you almost have to treat parlaying, and this goes for really parlaying in general, but touchdown bets specifically when you're starting to parlay guys that are plus 400 with another plus 400, you got to almost treat it like it's dessert or like junk food. It's okay to have a treat or have a nice dessert after a great meal, but it can't be your whole diet. And you can't just go in and have supper and be like, okay, I'm going to have a uh, ice cream with a side of this. And you could just skip the, the chicken. You know, you can't do that. If you're betting touchdown scores, you got to keep dessert or parlays to a minimum with a lower stake. So what I do, and this is a good suggestion is what my buddies and I do, we do something called the 180 challenge where uh, we each submit to each other. It's a group of five of us. And we each submit a $10 parlay on behalf of each other. And it's called the 180 challenge. I put a $10 parlay in. My buddy puts a $10 parlay in. And then what it does is it gives you four or five t- parlay tickets to root for and scratch that itch 
but your only investment was $10, but you put all the profits together and then you just split the profits five, four ways, whatever your group is. But that eight gives you the, uh, that ability to be able to have some parlay touchdown tickets in, but you're not necessarily putting in your entire bankroll uh, just strictly focused on that. Then you know that you're only in for about 10, 15, maybe 20 bucks at the most. Um, and touchdown bets are already super volatile because any player can just leave the game on any play. Like just, it could be just a little nick up, you know, they're, they're down already by 20. You know what? I, we're just going to call it. I, I just think that people should save themselves the heartbreak of a losing parlay from injury. So that way you're only investing kind of minimal stake to be able to be invested in it and more play with the straights. And to be clear, the, the 180 challenge is because there's 18 weeks in the regular season. That's correct. So you're essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to put in like an 18 to one parlay each week or more. So that way you at least make your full season's worth of investment back. But, you know, sometimes you'll hit three times in a year. And so, you know, you'll see some of my guys that they're doing it. They hit it five of 18 weeks and then you're splitting all the profits this way. We could dive more into that a little bit later. But essentially the 180 challenge or even just a parlay challenge where you're betting within a group, you should try to keep it. $10 a week. Like I wouldn't be putting more than, you know, $20 at most on parlays for a given week, just because if you're, if your average unit is a hundred dollars, um, you just, it's not really worth it in that grand scheme. Now it's fun. And again, it's recreational, but at the same time, it's one of those things that if you start going down that road where that's the majority of your stake, instead of betting on straights, I've seen it too many times. Guys are just going to lose their entire bankroll, get dejected, and then maybe start having to chase, you know, for the Sunday night football game or Monday night football game to try to make up for those losses. It's just a path that is not, it's dark. It's not very fun. It's lonely. I would just not recommend to do that. Um, so parlays again, bet them but bet them responsibly. Like you have to be responsible. It's no different than managing your bankroll if you have to be able to pay rent or pay your bills. It, just that kind of mindset. Um, now, the next thing that I would say is a pitfall though, Glash, is touchdown scores with minus odds. So on a given week, there's about 30 to 35 players per week with minus odds. And one of those players, uh, we, we talked about him last year, Jonathan Taylor. Now, Jonathan Taylor got a little nicked up this year. So by the time it was like week seven, the way that the Colts were playing, you know, you started to see his odds closer to probably plus 150, you know, in that range for a starting running back. But And just to play, play off of that, we, we were – last year was our first – so Jill, this is Jill's second year working at Action Network. Jonathan Taylor had an unbelievable COVID season. And that is why he emerged as that dude, because he was in the MVP conversation. So 100%. looking at the early, the early part of 2022 for Jonathan Taylor was a result of how well he played in 2021. Just speaking to the early weeks of last year. No, great clarification. And somebody who was a good example of the way that Jonathan Taylor was in 2021 is Travis Kelsey in 2022. And one of the few players that has minus odds routinely week to week. And don't get me wrong, Travis Kelsey, he's the man. Like 12 touchdowns last year. It's probably going to be a first-round pick in most people's fantasy drafts. And likely he's going to have double-digit touchdowns again. But let's just look at 2022. So in 17 games, because he played the full season, he had 15 of 17 games he was minus odds. So even though he scored 12 touchdowns, for example, two of those games, he had a three-touchdown game and a four-touchdown game. And if you would just bet him one unit per game, uh, for all 17 games, he would have actually been down about four and a half units in profit for the season for his anytime touchdown props. 
And just for reference, like I track all the touchdown prop odds for every player, for every team. If you just go look at the Chiefs, he was 11th on the Chiefs in touchdown profits last year. Like you would have had better luck just betting on Justin Watson every week. And he would have hit one week because he did score week two against the Chargers. And it was like plus 800 because uh, uh, McCole Hartman went down. And you would have been up profit for the entire year if you had just went on a periphery guy like Justin Taylor, uh, uh, Justin Watson, instead of just trying to bank on Travis Kelsey and getting those profits because he's usually around the minus one twenty to minus one forty range. And if you don't, so look, if you don't have to look all that far to see Jarek McKinnon scored nine, had nine receiving touchdowns last year. He's not far behind the top receiving touchdown leaders from last year. Absolutely. And so when betting at minus odds, just overall, it's a losing proposition. So here's another reason why I try to tell people to avoid this. So last year in 2022, there were 278 instances of a player being at minus odds. So 135 of those times somebody scored. So just for reference, that's 48.5%. Now, why I bring that up is, is that if it's minus 110 from a sports book, automatically that's a 50-50% edge on each side based with the VIG. But if you're looking at somebody just at this course of this past season where you're knowing that minus odds players hit at 48%, when you bet into a minus touchdown score, you're pretty much giving up a 2% edge right before you bet. And that edge that you have just gets worse as the number goes up. So if you're looking at a Derrick Henry at like minus 150 or, you know, Christian McCaffrey, I've seen him as high as minus 175. Now these guys are great players, but they're just not going to score every week. That's really the reality. So, and books are much sharper now with, and they don't offer a no touchdown option. You either have it's yes or nothing. So you'll hit on occasion when you bet on minus touchdown guys, but really, there's just so much value elsewhere that I would just say to look a little bit farther down the list or maybe don't bet that game. There's so many other football games going on throughout the course of a season. Um, I just think you'd be better served to maybe looking down the board and trying to find value elsewhere instead of betting on somebody who like Travis Kelsey, who I think is fantastic, but just will not be somebody who yields a ton of touchdown profits in the anytime touchdown market. We'll dive into the use of, of good data versus bad data in a second, but and it's not so much the why because you've kind of explained the why, but how does Jill Gallant utilize odd compar- odds comparison tools in terms of going week to week? Yeah, I mean, the reason why you have to look at odds comparison tools and Action Network has a fantastic tool on their app where you're able to see every single player for every single game for all the different sports books in your state to be able to compare the odds and what's being offered because touchdown score odds vary heavily from sports book to sports book. And the best example is somebody, a friend of the podcast, David Payne, who is our producer, loves to bet on Taysom Hill, for example, uh, with the New Orleans Saints. And his odds range so much from book to book because of what his capability is because he has the goal line scoring capability he's gotten red zone targets before in that offense and his anytime touchdown odds can range from plus 250 sometimes to up to plus 500 uh in the given week and depending on the sports book so as i said using the action app and using our odds comparison tool will make sure that you're getting the best value because you don't want to leave money on the table as you're going through this and having multiple sports book accounts is also one other thing that i would recommend so if you have that odds comparison tool but you only have one sports book set up it's best practice to have at least you know if there's five sports books in your state you should have an account with all five of them to be able to go between books and being able to find the best value 
Because what that's what happens over a course of a season is that if you're just married to a specific sports book and that's the only sports book that you like, there's a good chance that you're leaving money on the table because you didn't decide to go just shop around and look elsewhere. So you use Travis Kelsey as an example. I would even look at now the way the quarterback position has evolved and the rushing capability of a Jalen Hurts or a Josh Allen. Even in some circumstances, guys that aren't as mobile or Lamar Jackson is another one who really, in, in most cases, as you, you, you've highlighted, like he, he could be featured as, in terms of odds, as a, having running back odds, goal line back kind of odds. Um, so goal line stats are important. I know one thing you brought up, and I'm not trying to steal your thunder, just using these as historical points from when we worked together last year. Red zone target share is mm-hmm. a number that you look at. So it's, it's important not to just look at the box score or just go to any sort of generic uh, mainstream media site and see, well, you know, Travis Kelsey has three touchdowns in his last two games. What stats are important to you? And also take us behind the curtain a bit in terms of the odds, which ones are already baked in. So why, why that's important to uh, decipher. Yes. And not all stats are created equal. Like obviously the traditional stats, like you mentioned, like targets and receptions, It's important to know that when betting on a wide receiver touchdown prop. I'm not going to pretend like those aren't important factors, but a lot of that stuff is kind of already baked into the odds. So so one guy that I look at, Deontay Johnson with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Amazing wide receiver, finished with 147 targets. That was more than A.J. Brown. That was more than Amari Cooper. Those two wide receivers, they combined for close to 20 touchdowns. But once you start to look a little deeper into the stats, like the routes run, red zone targets, the cornerback matchups, the overall target share and pass attempts or a yardage per pass attempt. Who's throwing the damn ball like a Mitch yeah. Trubisky or a Kenny Pickett. Like then you could start to look at something as simple as just catchable ball rate in the red zone. Deontay Johnson last year, his catchable ball rate in the red zone was 35%. The median for that stat is around 50%. It's 49.8. Wow. I'll round up to 50 just, just for sake. But then another thing that you can look at is if you like red zone targets, you could look a little deeper into those red zone targets. So in 17 games, Deontay Johnson only had five red zone targets when the Steelers were inside the 10 yard line, wow. because a lot of the time what they were doing was they were going back to Najee Harris or they would, you know, Kenny Pickett ran for three touchdowns in his first two games. Mitch Trubisky ran for another touchdown as well. And what was happening by the time we're getting to week 16 with a guy who's so talented like Deontay Johnson books just feasted off of the well he's he's due you know and uh, I mean look at the targets we gotta bet him you know and it's like no you don't like not when the rookie quarterback doesn't throw farther than five yards per pass attempt or the Steelers just refuse to um, run a passing play within the red zone Uh, they had the lowest uh, red zone uh, pass rate as well uh, this past year so that's another thing that you could look at as far as diving a little bit deeper into just red zone targets and once you start to factor in more data than just the surf, surface stats and knowing that there's a box score, that box score context is key, your your touchdown betting and research will just open up exponentially as far as angles and ways that you want to attack the market. Interesting. That's that's a great example, too. Um, I think Kenny Pickett, for the record, will be better this year. He's actually kind of underrated, in my opinion. But it I'm, depends. Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends also, but I think – if you could dive in just on the, on the receiver note, what kinds of receivers that you're betting on too matters, right? Like that's, that's not, that doesn't require stats. That also requires watching the games. And, and there are, there is uh, statistical support uh, to this, but it, it just proves that looking at a box score and seeing 
eight to ten targets a game doesn't mean all it doesn't mean jack unless it's no it, happening. go ahead and, and brenda i was going to say the t- the two things that you can look at is you can see how teams uh defend the slot because a lot of offenses have changed now because of the kansas city chiefs and their deep throw they're playing too high safety now to prevent those we over saw, the top we throws. saw the details in that in the quarterback documentary on netflix patrick mahomes yes, was breaking that down yeah it's a good call and so as a result, the slot and the over the middle is wide open as opposed to what we saw two or three years ago. So uh, this past year, you could even just look up to see that the Chiefs and the Buccaneers were actually bottom two in the NFL in touchdowns allowed from the slot. So you just saw it in this past playoffs. You saw uh, Dallas Goddard and A.J. Brown were able to kind of get open and what they could do in the Super Bowl. Um Christian Kirk scored a touchdown against the Chiefs right, right away. Dalton Schultz, same thing in the playoffs, scored against the Bucks. You're starting to see where the key things like that, like in the slot, are actually being more efficient than just seeing the, the general targets and receptions of whether or not that's actually viable. Um, but I wanted to go back to one thing that you were talking about, which is specifically the quarterbacks. And because that, to me, is – the most notable thing of what we've seen over the last three years about how quarterback value in general, like the touchdown market, you're, you're seeing books be much sharper now where um, a few years ago, back when Tom Brady, his last year with the Patriots, you could get him close to like 25 to one to score a touchdown. And now or prior to his retirement in his final year, you weren't seeing odds better than seven to one. And it's not like he all of a sudden became you know, Jalen Hurts out there where he's juking guys. Like there's only really one way that Tom Brady scores a touchdown and he just falls in at the one yard line. And he'd but, tell you that Madden was not fair to him as far as his uh, speed ratings were. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it was either he's falling down the, the, the classic Brady QB sneak goal line or just for a first down. But so, so the, the, the casual better, you would immediately look at the quarterback markets and think of all the quarterbacks and you'd think, well, who was the most profitable quarterback in 2022? It had to be Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts, he ran for 13 touchdowns. He scored a nine of 15 games. The problem with a guy like Jalen Hurts or a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson and why it's difficult to want to bet on those guys week to week every week is that their odds are around, you know, even money to about plus 120 each week. So if you had bet on Jalen Hurts every week for those 15 games that he played, you would have made about 3.9 units in profit. Not bad. But then you look at the rest of the team and you look at Gardner Minshew, who only played two games, and he ran for a touchdown against the Cowboys. And if you would just bet him, you would have been up about five units in profit for the year, which is why it's hilarious that, you know, sometimes I think we're always trying to find the guy that you know that's going to score because we want a winner when really we should be looking at the best value on what's available. So from a quarterback standpoint, uh, this past year, the most profitable quarterback was Joe Burrow. He was about 17.7 units uh, if you would bet him every game. Uh, his biggest score uh, of the season was around plus 750 when he scored uh, a beautiful running touchdown against the Saints where it wasn't like this, you know, five-yard fall in, like he ran for a good 20 to 25 yards. Yeah. And he kind of took that crown from Ryan Tannehill, who was my guy in 2021 and 2020. That guy, you know, combined, he was the most profitable quarterback to run uh, in both of each of those seasons. Now, I thought Joe Burrow would probably be the guy who I'd be looking at for 2023. But, you know, we just saw that injury in the preseason. He pulls his calf. The rushing attempts early in the season are likely to be limited. I think the 2023 version of who we're looking for uh, from a quarterback standpoint, we got to be looking at Trevor Lawrence now. And his odds typically ranged between plus 350 and plus 500. He finished about 7.7 units in profit uh, for a quarterback, which would have been third uh, in the NFL for all NFL quarterbacks. So 
I think Trevor Lawrence, like the guy that you want is the guy who is more of a prototypical pocket passer, but yep. also has the capability to be able to run when the, when the play breaks down. And those older quarterbacks like Brady, Rogers, um, you know, they're difficult to want to bank on in that, this kind of market. So I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be the new Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow was the new Ryan Tannehill. So we're going to see how that goes. But before we move on, this is the final thing I wanted to bring up, Brandon, because this is near and dear to your heart. You're a Massachusetts man. Who do you think was the most profitable player last year for any time touchdown market? It's a bit of a trick question because it's not a, because it's not a player. So this is the one thing that's a little bit tricky. Oh, I know what it's going to be. I know exactly what this is. The Patriots defense. The Patriots defense was unreal in 2022. They scored seven defensive touchdowns. If you would just bet that defensive unit every week, all 17 games, you would have made 40 units in profit. It's insane. And not only that, they, 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 they were hitting routinely at like seven to one. And that's another set. They had two seven to one hits in both week 11 and week 16. Now, but I wanted to bring up week 15 specifically to you, Brendan, because you were in attendance for one of those touchdowns. Kyle Duggar had an interception return touchdown on Derek Carr, and that touchdown kind of gets overlooked or glossed over because as a result, the way that that game finished was with another defensive touchdown and arguably one of the biggest dumb boneheaded plays in football you'll ever watch. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wanted to bring that up to you because, A, I I know you're a Patriots fan, but also I kind of wanted to maybe just stick it to you a little bit just to remind you that, yeah, their defense is awesome, but maybe their offense might need need an overhaul. Yeah, uh, thank you for coming back, Bill O'Brien, thankfully, uh, with those two knuckleheads running the show last year in Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Judge is still there. Patricia's gone. Um, oh, I didn't know you were going to do that. Wow, that was so mean, but also very appropriate. Um, really quick, this is more of a specific thing. And this it's actually something we haven't discussed, but this feels obvious. But monitoring injury reports, which mm-hmm. then – factors into how a depth chart would look. And I feel like for a, a Sunday, we're, we're just overloaded with your Schefters and your Rappaports as far as like questionable guys and guys that might give it a go, but they're not going to be 100%. There's, there's a lot to monitor. But I really feel like when folks are betting this market, touchdowns, Thursday night football especially because it's a short week. Monday night's a little different because, in theory, you're coming off maybe a Thursday night game from the previous week. In a lot of cases, that's how the schedule usually is formulated. If a team's playing on a a Thursday night, and even that's true too. Uh, If some teams play on a Thursday night, they played on – they're coming off a bye, something of the like. But in a lot of cases, especially early in the year, we're going to see teams play on Thursday night after just playing on Sunday. So monitoring injuries, crucial. Um, and then we can also, off of that, discuss how you bet standalone games and what your approach is to that. So first on the injuries, how you go about deciphering injury news. So, yeah, the, with, with injuries, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, like if we're just using standalone games as the example and, and putting the full Sunday 1 p.m. Eastern slot off to the side – a lot of the time what you kind of have to do is kind of play injury report roulette. Like you have to be able to go back and see the injury just to see if it was that bad. Like if you see a, saw a guy's knee twist, you know, on Sunday and then it's coming up to Thursday, it's probably a pretty good likelihood that he's either not playing or uh, or he's going to be limited. So one of the things that you'll see happen is if you use like the Chargers, for example, guy gets uh, on Sunday, uh, Mike Williams maybe twists his knee a little bit. 
maybe he's going to try to give it a go on Thursday, but you're looking at the odds and you see wide receiver three, you see Josh Palmer, who would assume Williams role if he doesn't, if he doesn't play around like plus 350, maybe to plus 400. Well, you already know that Mike Williams is probably going to be limited anyway. So, you know, likely his snap counts are likely going to go down. Maybe he's not utilized as much in three receiver sets and more in the red zone. So if that's the case, what you probably want to do is put a bet in on Josh Palmer See how it goes. And I, this happened to me last year in week two. Mike Williams goes down. Josh Palmer, I was grabbing him at four to one. And going into uh, the game, he's around plus 150 because Williams had gotten ruled out. So a lot of the time with uh, injury reports, you almost have to kind of take a chance and just accept the fact that maybe you are going to be betting a wide receiver three in this spot instead of a wide receiver two. And then the other thing that I was going to say, too, with standalone games, you probably don't want to bet more than two or maybe three units total. Like So three picks. If you're doing one unit per pick, I wouldn't do more than three because even the best NFL offenses and best games that you'll ever see that are shootouts, you're probably not seeing more than four or five touchdowns scored in an entire game. So I mean, I mean, folks, how many times last year, just think about this for a second, how many times did you watch a Thursday night game last year and you were like, wow, this is dreadful in terms of – and look, under, <laughs> unders hit at a great rate last year for most of the first half of the year. Really about three quarters of the year, unders were hitting at a significant rate. Thursday night football was a big contributor to that. Yeah. And the other thing too is like when it was some of the matchups, like you would see Broncos Colts, which finished like 12 to nine. There were no touchdowns scored in that game. It was probably the worst football game I ever watched that by the time we got to the end of the game or midway through the third quarter, I'm like laughing to myself at how inept these teams are. So Thursday night is probably a one game that I would probably try to maybe stick closer to two bets. Maybe you could bet one on one side, one on the other. And again, it is differing from game to game because we have seen some shootouts on Thursday as well, where the defenses are just deciding, you know what, we're not going to play that much, you know, this week and just let's let the scoring happen. And so one of the things that I'm already looking at now is guys that I'm going to be wanting to bet for week one. Uh, and one of the things that I like to do is try to project the odds because I'm projecting the odds all year. I track the odds as well and kind of have like a cutoff. So that way I know that if he's higher than these odds, then I'm going to be betting him. If he's lower than those odds, I'll just steer clear for the, for that week. And the first guy that I was looking at, is David Njoku with the Cleveland Browns. He's one of my fave guys to bet for anytime touchdown props. But here's something that, again, I'm going to be sharing on the Action Network as we get closer to the end of the month. You don't really want to bet on David Njoku outside of AFC North games because he's scored 19 touchdowns in his career. He has played 27 games against AFC North opponents, 52 games against out-of-division teams. So he has scored 11 of those 19 touchdowns against AFC North opponents. So that's a 40 percent touchdown rate in his career whereas eight of those touchdowns are against out of division teams so that drops all the way down to 15 percent so for David Njoku he feasts off AFC North opponents not so much against outside of the division and coincidentally week one who's their opponent the Cincinnati Bengals a team that he has scored on in five of nine career playoff uh, career games rather so I'm projecting right now for David Njoku based on being in this offense and where he is right now in the pecking order as far as scoring, probably around plus 300 is where his touchdown odds are going to be. So if it's less than plus 300, maybe steer clear. But I got a feeling we're going to see it probably plus 300 or more for week one against a fairly strong Bengals team. 
But uh, in the NFC, one guy that I'm looking at immediately right now is Van Jefferson, who's going to be now in this wide receiver two slot. Everybody was all over Allen Robinson last year, uh, knowing that um, Cooper Cup was going to get the majority of the looks and the targets and that he was going to get majority of the defensive attention. So Allen Robinson, in theory, should have had a decent season, but he was just washed and just did not fit well in that Rams offense. Whereas Van Jefferson has been amazing with Sean McVay in this offense over the last two years. Van Jefferson is the most profitable Ram right now with nine touchdowns in 28 games. Uh, his average touchdown odds with Matt Stafford at quarterback is around plus 220. And now Cup and Stafford are both projected back for week one. So I'm projecting Van Jefferson's week line around plus 190, hoping FanDuel will do us a solid and give us a nice, a nice plus 190. But um, this is, would be my cutoff. I wouldn't bet him any lower than that. And the final guy... I mean, you know where I'm going with this, Brandon. You, you, we're taking Dawson Knox, and really the rule is is that you always want to look at him when he is over plus 200. It's a very simple rule, but it has done me very well. Uh, for example, in nine games this year, he was over plus 200, and he scored in six of them, and he scored six total touchdowns in 2022. So what does that tell you is that when he's over plus 200 and sports books are maybe not giving him that favorable treatment, that's when he seems to be able to uh, excel because he's a strong red zone threat in this offense. Five of his six touchdowns were scored from that distance. The fly in the ointment is that they drafted a first-round pick, uh, a tight end, in Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. So uh, both are likely going to get used a lot in 11 personnel. I'm still going to opt for Knox in this spot, just based on the rapport that he has with Josh Allen. Plus, the other thing, too, is that made me think, okay, they're drafting a first-round tight end. This could be tricky. This might be Dawson Knox. He might get cut. They just paid Dawson Knox before the start of the 2022 year. He's still got a ton of guaranteed money left on his deal, so he's not going anywhere. So they're going to be using him a lot in this spot. I still think Dawson Knox is the guy that you want to bet over Dalton Kincaid. But again, it depends on the odds. If he's less than plus 200, maybe steer clear, maybe start to consider Kincaid. But I think for uh, week one right now, looking at the Bills schedule, you're going to get him around plus 220. All right, and they are at the New York Jets, Monday Night Football. So there's a standalone example that Joe Gallant is already on for week one. This was fun. I always enjoy this. I'm looking forward to it. I already feel so prepared now that this is my second year doing this show with you, but hopefully folks that did uh, catch you uh, last year. You're doing the Touchdown show again this year with Action Network uh, each Sunday. That's correct, right? That's right, yeah. The Touchdown show will be right after Convince Me. Uh, It's going to air around 10.30 a.m. Eastern on the Action YouTube page. So make sure to go like and subscribe for that. Uh, And the primetime games, I'm going to have touchdown picks for every primetime game. There's likely going to be a video that's released uh, on social media and YouTube so you can see my analysis and see which way that I'm picking. They'll also be available on the Action Network app so you can download the app and be able to get the picks uh, maybe before the content comes out. And uh, also I'll be tracking uh, the weekly NFL Anytime Touchdown odds. So I'll be sharing that every Tuesday to show like who was the biggest hit of the week who's the most profitable guy, all that stuff to be able to help you with your touchdown bets for the 2023 NFL season. I can't wait till a tight end six scores in like week three. And Jill is going to share that information. It's going to be great. Joe Gallant, Action Network contributor. Catch him during the season, leading up to the season as well. If he adds anything else, as odds start to come out for week one. For now, it's just totals inside. So we'll uh, once those odds come out, though, I'm sure Jill will be very busy in the free-to-download Action Network app. That concludes our Anytime Touchdown betting preview for the 2023 NFL season. For Joe Gallant, I'm Brendan Glasheen. Thanks for tuning in to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. We'll talk to you again real soon. 
Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.